Welcome to the Fikra Podcast, episode 8. We are here with brother and Ustad Muhammad Shal'an, and we have a very, very special talk for you all planned today. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Very excited to be here. <laughs> well, I've, um, you know, it's subhanAllah, the first time we actually met was uh, at Middlesex. I, I've actually seen your face many, many times because I've uh, had to make the f- posters and everything. So <laughs> I've had to Google you and I had to find you all over the place. And uh, I mean, mashallah, it was, it, was, it was very fun. And then you're a brother as well. So, <laughs> so mashallah, I've, I know the whole family. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, today, inshallah, you know, and subhanAllah, like, you, uh, the topic relates to you very well, you know, you, mashallah, Allahumma barik, you started a family, you know, um, you know, Allahumma barik, your daughter is so cute, <laughs> mashallah, you know, mashallah, um, so, getting right into it, we're going to talk about the story of Surah Yusuf, and, uh, I've been told you love the story of Surah Yusuf, <laughs> and, um, so, a bit of background we need for Yusuf, right? So that's what we're going to start with. And, um, you know, what is the importance of that? You know, why are there, you know, we were told about his brothers. How are they important? You know, some lessons that we can learn. Um, yeah, so and let's get right into it. Awesome. Uh, so first of all, thank you so much for having me, man. It's, uh, it's my, my pleasure to be here. <laughs> And um, I hope you didn't find anything embarrassing on Google, uh, hopefully. No. <laughs> um, but inshallah, uh, before I actually get into a background of Surah Yusuf, I'll talk a little bit about why I love Surah Yusuf. Mm-hmm. Uh, about 10 years ago or so, um, when I was kind of trying to find my way into practicing Islam again, mm-hmm. um, I went to the ECNA conference, and the very first lecture I attended was about Surah Yusuf. And it was just, it was a moment of light for me. Mm-hmm. It was something that I felt... I needed it in my life. Yeah. Uh, it was actually uh, Sheikh Wassam Sharif who was going over some uh, of the lessons from Surah Yusuf, and it really hit home for me. And since then, it's been the most beloved surah to me. Uh, it's a surah that I love to talk about. It I love to read. I love to um, to discuss with people. And Subhanallah, almost every time I read it, there are new lessons. Um, and with a little bit of background of Yusuf السلام, and his brothers, um, first, Yusuf was born and raised in Palestine. Uh, his family is a lineage of prophets. His dad is a prophet, his grandfather is a prophet, and his great-grandfather is a prophet. So his dad is Yaqub, um, the son of Ishaq, the son of Ibrahim. So uh, being raised in such a family, he had big shoes to fill because he was also a prophet. Um, he had one brother from the same mother. His name was Binyamin, according to some Israelite sources. And then he had 10 other brothers from a different mother. Um, some of the historians, they say that his mother died at a very young age. And that's actually very important when we're looking at the narrative of the Quran, of how the Quran starts his story. It doesn't start the story until the dream. So the Quran starts the story of Yusuf salam seeing a dream and he goes to his father telling him the dream. And when you look at the simple of dream, dreams generally, they symbolize hope, they symbolize aspirations, they symbolize um, a message of 
high note, like a positive note, because then from there, it starts going downhill from there for Yusuf <laughs> right? He just tests after tests after test, all the way until the end of the story. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stars it at a very positive note. And um, maybe as, as we talk more about the story, you'll see how this comes to life. And um, yeah, so that was a very good breakdown of, um, I guess, lineage. So uh, that's very important because, you know, we, we see a lot of times that the fathers, right, are the role, model, role models for the sons. And, uh, you know, Yusuf having so, uh, Yaqub having so many sons, you know, he was the like, role model for all of them. Um, and then there's a significance why Yusuf Islam is the prophet instead of the other ones. So, um, and then so so we always know that um, Yusuf Islam tells um, his father, right? He says, "Ya abati, inni ra'aytu ahda ashara kaukaba." Right? So he says, "Wal qamra, wal shamsa wal qamra ra'aytuhum li sajidin." So. What is the uh, just the quick like summary of this one ayah that goes into it, right? He says ya abati. He doesn't say ya aba. So he says ya abati, and then we can go into Arabic of that. And then it's also he says they're making sajda to me. So what is the significance of that? Because at that time also there was no um, ruling of you can't make like a sajda to a person out of honor, out of respect. Absolutely. Um you would realize from the very beginning of the story the father and son love between Yaqub and Yusuf. Mm. Now, it is by the majority of scholars of tafsir that Yaqub did love Yusuf more than his brothers. Mm. And there are a lot of reasoning for that. One reason is that his mom died at a very young age. Mm. So Yaqub was playing the role of a mother and a father to both Yusuf and Binyamin, his other, his other, his full brother. Mm-hmm. Secondly, Yusuf was a righteous son, and that's clearly shown throughout the Quran. And it's natural for a father to like a a, a, a righteous son mm-hmm. more than a son who's giving him a hard time. I mean, you cannot blame Yaqub that he's showing so much love to to Yusuf. Not unfair. He's just he's good to me. Like, why should I do anything else? Um, number three is that Yusuf was very handsome. You know, Yusuf was extremely handsome. And it's, it's you know, everybody likes cute, cute kids, mm-hmm. but then everybody loves extra, extra cute kids. And, and, and you know, it's it's not just the way he looked, but also his character. So it's very natural that Yaqub would love him more than any, uh, more than the other, the other brothers. The treatment, however, though, which is very important for us to mention, the treatment was the same. Yaqub did not, you know, did not do anything that was unfair to the brothers, Right in you know in, in for Yusuf or whatever he would treated everybody the same, but the love which was something that he couldn't control was a little bit more for Yusuf. Now, when you saw the dream, the simple interpretation of the dream was that oh my dear father, oh my beloved father, I saw eleven stars, which is obviously his eleven brothers, the moon and the sun, his dad and his mom prostrating to him. Now the dream at the end of the story comes to life. Now, when you talk about a sajda to a human being. It was as simply a sajda of respect, right? That means that Yusuf is going to be at a level that is higher than even his own father or his own mother and his brothers as well. So it wasn't necessarily a sajda prostration of worship, right? It was simply him wanting to, um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showing that people will respect 
Yusuf alayhi salam. Um, and, that's, and that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is starting out the story at this positive note to tell Yusuf that as you go through tests, the end will be extremely positive and really, really high. Uh, so just kind of keep this throughout the story. So yeah, I mean, uh, even going into the whole, uh, right even before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, right, the, uh, when Yusuf al-Islam uh, comes to his father, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, نَحْنُ نَقُصُ عَلَيْكَ أَحْسَنَ الْقَصَصِ So why is this the أَحْسَنَ الْقَصَصِ? So that meaning the best of stories, right? That's uh, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does tell stories in the Qur'an. But this specific surah is just the story of Surah Yusuf. Uh, surah Yusuf. So for example, Surah Yunus is not all Yunus a.s. Right? And uh, I, was actually, I was actually going through Surah Yunus once, uh, and I was looking for the story. <laughs> and I was like, where is it? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, subhanAllah, it's, um, why is Surah Yusuf the only kind of surah of its kind as well? And, it, and it's, a, it's a very, very in-depth, and like the scene changes. It's very much like a story. And, and it's, it's Ahsan al-Qasa. So why is that as well? So a um, couple of things. Uh, number one is that Surah Yusuf is the only surah that beginning to an end, like you mentioned, only talks about Yusuf, right? Even the only other character that's mentioned by name is his father. Everybody else are just characters, but no, the Quran doesn't really focus on them. Um, secondly, um, there are a lot of lessons in... So if you really think about Yaqub salam, for example, he is the beginning of Bani Israel, right? So Israel is Yaqub salam. So when we talk about Bani Israel, which is throughout the Quran, this is the beginning of that entire the entire family. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is kind of focusing to say, here's how Bani Israel started. Here's the family of Israel himself, which is Yaqub salam. And then throughout the Quran, you will see Bani Israel pretty much everywhere. So that's also another important thing. Um, the third is some of the scholars actually said that even Allah is saying, it doesn't necessarily refer to just Surah Yusuf, actually. Mm. Some of the scholars said that Allah is just making a general statement that we tell a lot of beautiful stories, right? And what makes a story beautiful, number one, is that from Allah. You know what I mean? <laughs> hearing a story from Allah is not hearing a story from anybody else. Yeah. So you can say this about pretty much all the story. Now for Yusuf specifically, the lessons are endless. I honestly, I, I, I've been studying it for, for a few years now. And almost every time I go back, there's a new lesson. There's a new reflection. And it's like this unlimited, endless, you know, depository of lessons. And it continues to evolve. And, and the more we're able to relate to our lives, the more we're able to get lessons out of it. Um, so that that that's kind of like the main, the main few points. So, uh, going a little bit deeper into the story, uh, so how does Yusuf al-Islam deal with the trials that he goes through as a child, right? Because a child doesn't really know what to do in these situations, especially at the young age of uh, Yusuf al-Islam at that time, where. His brothers just are planning against him. And his brothers are, like, obviously older than him, right? Um, so what is the... Is there significance to that? Is, is like, can we relate to that today? Um, so how, how does that go? In? Certainly. So um, there's, there's a couple of things when we look at the story of Yusuf and how he 
it's kind of tested over and over and over and over again. I think as a child, one of the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that there was a little bit of preparation that Yaqub gave Yusuf. You know, right before, towards the end of the, the, the story of Yaqub or the scene where Yaqub and Yusuf are talking about the dream, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that Yusuf is told by his own father who is also a prophet. So obviously Yusuf trusts his father. Yaqub alayhi salam tells Yusuf, وَكَذَلِكَ يَجْتَبِيكَ رَبُّكَ وَيُعَلِّمُكَ مِن تَأْوِلِ الْأَحَدِيثِ وَيُتِمُّ نِعْمَتَهُ عَلَيْكَ وَعَلَىٰ أَلِ يَعْقُوبِ كَمَا أَتَمَّهَا عَلَىٰ أَبَوَيْكَ مِنْ قَبْلُ إِبْرَاهِيمَ وَإِسْحَاقِ إِنَّ رَبَّكَ عَلِيمٌ حَكِيمٌ Yaqub is being told, is telling Yusuf alayhi salam, is that Allah is going to choose you. Allah is going to make you special, just like he made all of your, of your ancestors also very special. The point that I really love about this, set up for Yusuf is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that Yaqub told him two important names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He told him that your Lord is Alim and your Lord is Hakim. Your Lord is all-knowing and your Lord is all-wise. And I think when you're talking about trials, understanding these two names are essential. Is that whatever tests you're going through, and this doesn't just go for Yusuf, this also goes for us, is when we are tested with whatever difficulties that we have in life, Understanding that Allah knows what we're going through is extremely important. And I think Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sitting up Yusuf to know that I'm watching you. I know exactly what everything is going through you. When you're in the well by yourself and it's dark and you're seven or nine years old or however how old Yusuf was, Allah knows all of this, right? Secondly, Allah is hakim, Allah is wise. So understand that with the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there is a wisdom in what you're going through. So I, I honestly think that when you summarize how Yusuf is able to go through the trials, it's because he understood these two names extremely well. Allah knows everything I'm, go, I'm going through, and then he has wisdom in what I'm doing. Maybe I won't get it now, but maybe I'll get it in four years. And then it all comes to life towards the end of the story that Yusuf says, and at the end of the story Yusuf says, Allah is knowing, Allah is wise. That everything I had to go through was important for me to get where I am today. So, you know, there's obviously a lot of other things we can talk about, but if we want to know what, how did Yusuf, was, how was Yusuf able to go through his trials and tests, is because he understood these two names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all, all knowledgeable and all wise. So that's, you know, a lot of information, subhanAllah, very, very nice. Um, but, um, so, so next to it, we go to how he, uh, you know, going growing up, he became, you know, the at, at one point he became the uh, Aziz as well. So when we when we see his his journey towards towards going to the house of the Aziz, right? What is his relationship in that house, right? And why is it that you know he says, "Qala inni Allah Right, so he says that I am, like, I fear Allah. I don't do this. Right. So, what is that entire scene that's happening there? How is that relationship in the house of the Aziz uh, significant to us as like men in general? Right. How does that work? Absolutely. So that's that's perhaps the uh, the most interesting part of a lot of young people when we're talking <laughs> about the story of Yusuf. They love to talk about this one scene where. You know, to understand a little bit of, of the background, Yusuf was taken by the wife of the Aziz as, a, you know, a child. And a lot of the historians says that she did not have any kids. 
So Yusuf to her was was like a gift from Allah that she's able to raise, right? So obviously it's not her son. He grows up in the household and he is extremely handsome. He's extremely, extremely handsome. Now, when you understand the nature of society back then, there was not a lot of morals or manners or principles or even even religion, right? A lot of a lot of people back then were pagans. So they didn't really have a lot of boundaries, if you will. So to her, she is probably also extremely young. Some of the stories they say, as a king or somebody of power, you're most likely going to marry someone who's extremely younger than you. So it's very possible that the wife could be like 25 and the husband is like 55 or whatever. Right? We don't have, then the Quran doesn't necessarily tell us that, but we can, we can learn from just learning a little bit about history. So obviously her seeing this young man who is extremely handsome, he's very good looking. She was like, hmm, I said one good looking man, you know what I mean? And and she was like, what what is going to prevent me from, you know, kind of playing around with him, right? Seducing him, if you will. And some of the scholars, they also say that it wasn't just one time that Allah mentions in the Quran. The one time in the Quran was like after several tries. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that she closed the doors, she locked the doors, she... Even some of the some of the qiraat in the Quran when uh, of the Quran when Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says qalat uh, haytalek, right? Which be, which basically means she said to him, "I am ready for you." Okay, another qiraa it goes like qala hayyatalek, which means I'm prepared for you. Like I got ready for you. I purified myself for you. Right? I have the like. So Yusuf alayhi salam is putting in that situation where he's seduced by a, a woman. Who kind of raised him? Mm. So he's, if you think about it, he's a slave. He is very young. He's single. He um, he's not he's not known. So he doesn't have to worry about his reputation. He's alone. Okay, he's in a place that, you know, you will nobody's gonna find out. And she's the one that's coming to him. Like Yusuf had all the, qual like not the qualities. He has all the. Qualifications. The qualifications to do this. You know what I mean? But he said, I fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm. I can't do this. You know what I mean? And by the way, by, by this point, he's not a prophet yet. But this to, to show you that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala picks prophets. You know, they're not just they're not just random people. The fact that Yusuf was able to put in that very difficult situation, again, as a young man putting in front of a woman who is also, you can assume that she's also very pretty. You know, I mean, she's married to one of the, you know, high positions in the country. So she's also most likely good looking as well. He says, I fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What's also interesting that I think is important for us to understand. He says, That my Lord has put me in a very good position. Yusuf alayhi salam stopped that seduction by gratefulness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. More than fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, he says, Allah. He says, I seek refuge with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then he says, Allah, my Lord, has been good to me. My Lord has been taking care of me. My Lord saved me out of the well. My Lord is good to me. Why would I do something to upset him? Now, there's another interpretation that it, it's referring to her husband. Right? He's saying, Innahu Rabbi, the one who taking care of me, like your husband, he's been good to me. So either way, Yusuf was not deterred by the fear of punishment. Mm. 
but rather his gratitude. You know, and, and, and I think this is extremely important for young guys who, who are tested, who go through tests, perhaps reflecting on the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like, how can I do this? How can I sin when Allah has been good to me? How can Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant me with rich parents and then I take that money and go smoke weed? You know what I mean? Yeah. How can I, you know, use the blessings of my parents to mistreat them? You know, how the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses me to have my tuitions paid mm -hmm. and then I go and I fool around in college and I don't go to my classes. You know, there is the aspect of fear that stops us from certain things, but maybe there's also an aspect of gratitude. Like, I am happy with whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave me. I'm not going to do that sin. I'm not going to do that mistakes. And that pretty much goes to, uh, to anything else in life. Yeah, subhanAllah, that's... Um, I, I feel like these... These uh, th this this specific story can also resonate with so many people about nowadays, especially with um, a lot of the youth. Um, you know, myself included. Like we're all all over the place, really. Um, so it, it turns out that like some are like already doing these acts. Some are even in the midst of doing this act. Some will have an identity crisis when they are confronted with these acts. They're like, you know, I'm Muslim. What am I doing? What can I do for, to help myself? Um, and, and, you know, a lot of like, specifically the students, right? College students, they, they don't see the long-term effect. They, they see just, all right, short-term is going to happen. It's going to be okay. And after that, you know, I might even do Toba. <laughs> you know? yeah, that's the, um, uh, unfortunately, like, you know, all of us have fallen into that mindset. Um, and, and going a little further with it, we see the marriage of the Aziz and uh, his wife, right? That is, was, would you say at that time, would there have been um, an institution of marriage which was a little bit more sacred? Kind of like today. Um, I, I would say it's a little bit more uh, formal, I guess, a little bit more sacred maybe. Um, you know, what can you say that a little bit and then... Sure. So... Um when you, when the when the husband found out what Yusuf did not do, and then we know the, the the story where Yusuf ran to the door, and then he opens the door, and right outside the door was the husband. So now immediately the wife says, "Oh, he was trying to do something to me. He was the one that that's you know." If you fast forward later on, the husband recognized that Yusuf is innocent. But it was actually the wife's fault. It was the wife, his wife, that was seducing Yusuf, her slave, right? Now, some of the Skadi said, how come the husband didn't do anything about it? You know what I mean? Like, because Yusuf going to prison was not because of this one scene. He actually goes to prison later on when she gathers all the other women, and all of them were seducing him collectively. And then Yusuf still said no, and then... Because of embarrassment in society, she was like, fine, I'm going to jail you because you don't want to do anything I'm telling you. But the first scene where Yusuf was innocent in front of the father, and in front of the husband, the husband was like, okay, fine, just don't tell anybody. Because there was also this protectiveness of marriage. Mm. You know what I mean? People, even though when they fall into mistakes, when he recognized that um, his wife was kind of trying to mess around, he was like, okay, let's just, let's just keep this between us. You know, we don't have to tell this to anybody outside. But it ended up getting outside anyway. You know, now there is another narrative that could also be 
uh, talked about from that story is that the husband didn't even care. Mm. He only cared about his own reputation. Because he, there was no indication in the Quran that he got upset with his wife. Or he said anything. He said, what, what's wrong with you? He, there is not an indication at all that he said anything to his wife. All he says is like, don't tell anybody. So actually, he didn't even care about the marriage. But he cared about his own reputation. And obviously, somebody being the Aziz, or the finance minister, which is somebody really high in, in, in the position in the state, he was, all he cared about was his image in front of everybody around him. So like, you, you, you wife, I don't even care about you. You can do whatever the heck you want. But just keep my own image. So there is, there is, there is, you can read the story in both ways. You can read the story of him trying to protect his marriage, but also him trying to protect his image, regardless of how the marriage looks like. He doesn't even care. So, and, and you see both of these. And this is, by the way, the beauty of Yusuf, by the way. A lot of scenes can be read in different ways. You know, and the more you read the story, the more you realize Allah is trying to show us both side of the story and they both have lessons, mm-hmm. right? And that's why you'll see that Yusuf, when he becomes a prophet, he becomes a prophet in this land where he's able to establish manners and morals and principles and people, people following a set of code in the way they treat each other. SubhanAllah, and that's, um, and, and, and you have to understand that throughout all of this, you know, back at home, Yaqub al-Islam, he has gone blind yeah. from the amount of huzn and the amount of sadness and the crying. So, um, you know, that that's it's not, it shows that Yaqub al-Islam, even though he would never mistreat or treat anyone unfairly, we can see that there was a lot of love for Yusuf um, because the, the amount of stress that you have to go through to get to that stage... Um, and and then all of his sons, then they just realize like, okay, yeah, he he did love him more, but um, you know what is the importance in this point up to up to where Yusuf Islam is now in jail, right? So what is the importance of all of this that happened? And you know we know that everybody says, "Innama ashku bathi wa huzni ilallah." So does that mean don't seek advice from others for your problems? Does that mean that or do you solely rely on Allah? Well, obviously we do, but can we seek advice? Absolutely. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. And it often comes out as part of this discussion when you're discussing Surah Yusuf. Because Yaqub, when he was showing so much sadness, his own sons had a problem with like, why are you so sad, dude? Like, just, it's fine. Like, get over it. But he was like, I'm not complaining to you. I'm not saying anything to you. I'm just talking to my Lord. I'm talking to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for him to be able to help me go through my own sadness. So when you look at us today and we're going through difficulties, a lot of times when we a lot of times we switch the roles of what should I say to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and what should I say to people. What happens a lot of times is that we use individuals around us as a way to kind of just let it all out. We're not seeking advice. We just want to let it all out. And then we hope that they'll make us feel better. What Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is advising everybody to do is that when you let it out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not just hear you, but He would help you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you the tranquility, the serenity, the peace that you are looking for in whatever difficulties you're going. Then you can go to people and say, "How? what should I do? So you can definitely seek people's advice. 
But the reality is a lot of times when we go through difficulties and we go to people, we're actually not seeking advice. We just want people to hear us out. You know, and while there's nothing wrong with that, there is actually an incident in the time of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam when uh, during an episode called the Sulh Hudaybiyah, the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, where the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was going to do Umrah and he was rejected by the people of Quraysh and he commanded the companions to shave their head and slaughter the animals. So he says, every one of you, even though we did not technically do Umrah and we're going to come back next year, I want everybody to shave their head and uh, slaughter their animals. Nobody listened to the Prophet. Not a single, even Abu Bakr and Umar, none of them listened to the Prophet Muhammad Then he got really upset. He goes to his tent and he talks to his wife, Ummu Salam radiallahu anha, and he says, I don't know what to do. He sought advice from his wife. He says, I'm commanding him to do something. They're not doing it. I don't know what to do. Now, the Prophet Muhammad could have just turned to Allah and Allah would tell him what to do. But he still sought advice from his wife. And his wife tells him, go shave yourself in front of them. You shave in front of them. You slaughter your animal and everybody will follow you. And that's exactly what happened. He goes outside his tent. He slaughters his animal. He shaves his head and everybody else follows. The point, uh, the reason I'm bringing this up is because we can certainly seek advice from people. But we have to be able to discern, am I really seeking advice from my father, my husband, my wife, my friend, or I'm just talking to them and complaining about what, what I'm going through. Because when you're complaining to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you'll be able to be respectful. When we're complaining to people, it's very risky that you might end the process without realizing complaint about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like you're talking to someone like, man, I don't know why I'm going through this. I don't know why is Allah doing this to me. This is not fair, this, this and that. When you're talking to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you're not going to say that. You'll be a lot more vigilant of every word you're saying because you're talking to Allah. You're not going to talk to Allah in dua and say, Ya Allah, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> you know what I mean? But talking to a cousin, talking to a relative, you might fall into this, 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 uh, this issue. So what I usually advise people to do is make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala your first stop. Whatever difficulty you're going through, right? It doesn't matter how big or how small, right? Some of the scholars mentioned that the companions were ask Allah if they needed some salt. And, it, and, and the indication of that, even something so trivial, they would ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the relationship they had. So there's nothing too small or too big for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is not too busy for our problems. He's not. He listens to everything we say. So make Allah your first stop. And then go to everybody else. But I promise, what a lot of people would find out when they start doing that, is when you go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first, you might not need anybody else. Allah will give you the basira, the insight, the peace that you need in your heart. You might not gonna need to go to your parents or your cousin or what, or what have you. You know, subhanAllah, that, uh, that answers a lot of questions that, you know, some might have about uh, seeking advice and, you know, t- telling people about their own issues at home and with the family. And, um, you know, we, we see that even now the, the sabr of Yusuf al-Islam, now he's um, with his companions in the jail, right? He sees the dreams, uh, he interprets the dreams, um, and then... Now what happens is the Aziz, he needs an interpretation. So who does he look to? He doesn't know who to go to, right, for his dream. So then uh, he remembers uh, at that point. So what happens after that point? And then how does Yusuf Lissam end up just getting out of jail, right, through his own works, I guess you could say. So, so what happened was there was a couple of 
uh, main scenes in prison. The first scene is Yusuf السلام, meets with these two people. He doesn't know. Uh, but what's interesting, this is just a side note, that Allah also refers to them as young people, which shows that the king is actually a tyrant, that he's prisoning young people, right? Um, which is really interesting because today, I don't want to get too political here, mm-hmm. but even today you'll find a lot of young people are, if, if, if a tyrant wants to suck out the um, kind of the zeal of certain movements, they will take, care, they will take young people. But anyway, just a side note, <laughs> you can cut it out if you, if you don't want to. So Yusuf السلام, meets these two young people and uh, he, they tell him the dream. He interprets both of the dreams for them. One of them gets out. And when he gets out, he becomes one of the workers within the king's courtyard, if you will. Years pass and then the king has a dream himself. And this young man who was with Yusuf, he offers to the king, he says, I know somebody who can inter- interpret that dream for you. And then immediately he remembers Yusuf that interpreted this worker's dream. So the king says, okay, go get him. So he sends a messenger to prison and he tells Yusuf that the king wants you to interpret the dream. So Yusuf goes, he tells him the dream, and then he is about to offer him his release. The king wants to release him because now the king sees that this is a really good man. I don't know why he's in prison. Yusuf actually, and this really shows the dignity of Yusuf and the honor of Yusuf. He says, I will not get out of prison until you go and ask the women what happened. Because I need my innocence from them. Because now my reputation, again, I'm, I'm, you know, maybe not a lot of people know me, but I want to make sure that in front of everybody here, I am innocent from that incident. I did not enter prison because I seduced them, or I did, I did not, I want my innocence from them. So the king goes around, he finds these women, he brings them forward, and the wife of the Aziz also was brought forward, and she was the one that told the king that Yusuf did not seduce me. Yusuf is a good man. So he gets his innocence, and then the king takes him to be like his right-hand man, if you will. And then from there, you'll see everything turns upside down for Yusuf. That after close to 40 years of difficulty, from the well to being a slave, to being seduced, to being in prison, all this, Yusuf is finally seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. And when you talk about patience... That is perhaps the most perfect example when it comes to patience. Patience is something that you have to live by without knowing when is it going to get better. You know, it might get better in a week. It might get better in 40 years. As Yusuf السلام, as we show the example. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also is very important to us to understand when we're reading stories of the Quran. A lot of times Allah use, gives us extreme examples. Because we might not be able to handle what Yusuf handled. Because we're not prophets. Mm. But he is. So understand that Allah uses a perfect example. Now, what are you going through? You go maybe through some health issues. Maybe you're going through a divorce. Maybe your heart got broken. Maybe you're going a little bit through some financial difficulties. Understand that, inshallah, by the grace and the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it will get better. It will most likely will not take 40 years. It will just get better. All you need to do is just... Be patient, right? Hold yourself together until things get better and take the right means, which is exactly what Yusuf did. You know, did Yusuf say, oh, I don't care, I'm not going to interpret that dream? No, he, he was trying to help people, right? And you see how, how that ended up getting him out of his prison.
So that you know, subhanAllah, that that turns into Yusuf al Islam's um becoming the the Aziz, right, at that point. Um and then you know, or we're going really quickly through the story, but Alhamdulillah, you know, we gotta get every aspect, inshallah, from this. Um, so then it comes to the scene where his brothers show up, mm-hmm. and who recognizes who first? And, you know, how does that, um, and, and how do we see here that Yusuf Islam is truly, he is a prophet, mm-hmm. right? And, and the, the reaction of everyone uh, around at that time. Um, and then, you know, who recognizes who? So what what is happening there? Sure. So a um, couple of things. Number one is what made the brothers of Yusuf come to Yusuf in the first place? So historically what had happened in that area is that when Yusuf became the finance minister of Egypt, the economy flourished really quickly. That Egypt became the hub of every surrounding country for help and aid. Things on the other side, though, in Palestine, where Yaqub and the father and the brothers are there, were not very, uh, were not very economically good, right? So there was a little bit of struggle there. Some scholars said there were some droughts that are happening in that area. So people of Palestine will come to Egypt for some aid. So the brothers came to Yusuf alayhi salam, and Yusuf immediately recognized them. He knew this exactly his brother. Because keep it in mind, when his brothers threw him in the well, they were much older. At a certain age, you don't really change much. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But for Yusuf, they threw him at seven. Now he's like 40-something. So obviously he looks like a completely different man. But for them, yeah, maybe some of them were like 30, and now they're 70. Yes, they look old and wrinkled, but at the, at the end of the day, they kind of look the same. So Yusuf immediately recognized who they were. He knew this was these were, uh, these were the brothers. Now, there's a lot of back and forth in that part of the story. Because they come, they seek some help, then they go back. But then in the process, he wants to keep his brothers. So he had to do a little bit of a game for for him to keep his brothers, his brother Binyamin, his, his full brother. So he keeps his brother. The brothers go back to Yaqub. They're missing one brother. Actually, they were missing two brothers because out of the other ten, the elder says, I'm going to stay behind. I'm not going to go back to my dad and tell him that we lost another brother <laughs> after Yusuf. So now there's three brothers in Egypt. The rest of them goes back to Yaqub, and Yaqub is kind of even further sad because now he's missing a lot of other brothers. But anyway, after all of this, Yusuf alayhi salam exposes himself to the brothers. He says, I am Yusuf. And then everybody's shocked because what are you doing here? We threw you in a well many years ago. We never thought that you will be here. And obviously at that point, Yusuf alayhi salam, he said something that is very incredible. And you have to appreciate the prophethood of Yusuf and his character. When he stood in front of the brothers, first, he doesn't bring anything up from the past. There's not a single indication that he says, um, what you guys did to me, look what happens now. Huh? Who's, who's salty now, right? So he, do, he doesn't say any of that. But even the goodness that he went through, he attributes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says, this is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything that I have is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He doesn't even bring up the difficulties that he went through. You know, when you understand prophets and how we can learn from prophets, they had the best of characters. They had the absolute best of characters, right? He says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed me with all of this, right? And then he says, whoever is patient and good, Allah will give them the same thing. He doesn't say, he doesn't say I am patient, I, I am good, and Allah blessed me with it. He's like, whoever is patient. So to tell the brothers that, I don't want you to feel bad. 
I don't want you to. And he doesn't even bring it up. He doesn't even bring up what they did to him. They immediately feel bad for him. They immediately feel bad for what they did. So they apologized. Right? They say, you were the best of us. Right? You were the one that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed. And we were at mistakes. And then to even further help them, he says, let there be no blame on you today. I'm not blaming you. It's all good. May Allah forgive you. Because I forgive you. You see what I mean? Mm. So he makes his position in all of this very clear. It's like, guys, I'm good. Like, we're good together. And I also hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives you for what you did. Because you pissed off my dad. <laughs> you, you, you did a lot of terrible things to me. But I hope Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then he takes them as family. You know? And he takes them... And even though there's actually some indications when you when you dig deeper into the surah that it took a while, like Yaqub didn't forgive his sons really quick, really easily. You know what I mean? Yani when they told their father, when they apologized to their father, he says, Sofa astaghfir, I will maybe at one point ask Allah for forgiveness for you. Right? But Yusuf alayhi salam immediately. Mm-hmm. And this is by the way, this is when you see that Yusuf has a an upper step over Yaqub alayhi salam. Mm. You see what I mean? Mm. I guess it's his father, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts Yusuf at a higher status, and that's why Yaqub prostrates to Yusuf. Mm. Right? It just shows you that relationship. Yeah, the father is obviously, you know, have more knowledge, and you know, but Yusuf alayhi salam, from a prophethood and status perspective, has a higher uh, status, if you will, in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than Yaqub alayhi salam, and that's why he was able to immediately forgive them, Versus Yaqub, he says, okay, maybe later. Mm. Because it's going to take a while to get through all of this. Because you know? mm. what you guys did to me was not that easy. So we hit, like, I think, everything that led up to the the ending of the story, which turns out to be, you know, a happy ending. Um, and, you know, subhanAllah, that that's... Something that we can take from this is like, you know, the, the amount of sabr that one needs in any hardship that comes their way. Um, and if anybody went through hardships, it was Yusuf al-Islam in, in general. Um, and the the entire notion of, you know, brotherhood in the story, you know, we, we see that there's so many aspects to that. And even with fatherhood, right, father and son relationship versus I guess you could say the um, the effects of zina that comes into play. So so this really this sort of really touches on everything that we can possibly think of, um, and I, I would say that you know subhanallah that should be good. I mean I don't really what else would you say that usually I mean if you give talks what would you else would you add to this? Um, I think the one the one last thing that is very important for us to reflect on when we're looking at Surah Yusuf is the dua that Yusuf made at the end of the surah. Mm. I think that dua summarizes a lot of the story because Yusuf alayhi salam at the very, very, and this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wraps up the story. So Yusuf alayhi salam at the very end of the story, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us about a dua that he makes where summarizes a lot of the details of the story. So Yusuf alayhi salam, he says, رَبِّ قَدْ أَتَيْتَنِي مِنَ الْمُلْكِ وَعَلَّمْتَنِي مِنْ تَأْوِيلِ الْأَحَادِيثِ فَيَعْطِرُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ أَنْتَ وَلِيِّ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ تَوَفَّنِي مُسْلِمًا وَأَلْحِقْنِي بِالصَّالِحِينَ He says, O oh my Lord, you have given me, you have bestowed upon me a lot of power. 
and then you've taught me from the interpretation of dreams and events and, and knowledge. You are the creator and the initiator of the heavens and the earth. And you've been my companion, you've been my protector in this world and the next. And then he asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for something. But let's let's look at what he said first. When we're when you understand dua, dua is not a wish list that we tell Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Dua is a conversation between us and Allah. And when Yusuf, and you see this throughout so many du'as in the Quran, you see prophets are talking to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yusuf salam is telling Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Ya Allah, you gave me this, you are this, you are that, you did this to me, you did this to me. As if he's just having a conversation. You know what I mean? And then he asks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for something. What he asks for, tell us what was Yusuf all about. He says, Tawaffani Musliman. Help me die as a believer. You know, as a prophet, are you worried about not dying as a believer? But Yusuf alayhi salam, and I, th- I think this is the greatest uh, lesson of this entire story, Yusuf alayhi salam never took his prophethood or his faith for granted, even as a prophet. He never felt like, oh man, you know, I'm good. Like I, I, Allah took care of me. Allah protected me. I'm definitely going to Jannah. I'm definitely going to be good. I'm definitely going to... No, he asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah, help me die as a Muslim. Take my life as a believer. And you know, Allah, brothers and sisters who are listening to this, as young people in America, we cannot take our faith for granted. We cannot feel like, I'm definitely going to die as a Muslim. It doesn't matter. You memorize the Quran, you memorize Bukhari, a Muslim. You're somebody who stands on the member and talks, you know, and everybody listens to you. You have thousands of followers. None of this matters. Even a prophet like Yusuf, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praises in the Quran. Allah dedicates an entire surah in the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks to us so much about him. He himself saying, Ya Allah, make me die as a believer. Make me die as a Muslim. Because the greatest thing in all of this is not the kingdom that he had. It's not the money that he had. It's not the trials and the tests that he had. None of this matters if we don't die as, as Muslims. So Yusuf alayhi salam is telling us, yes, I reached a high pinnacle of livelihood, right? I'm the king, I have power, I have money, I have everything that all of us wish for. My focus, my heart, where I really want uh, to be is to die as a believer. And he says, and make me follow the righteous folks, the righteous people. Some of the scholars said it's, it's a ref- referring to his grandparents, like his father, his grandfather, his, grand, uh, his great-grandfather. So this dua is really a summary of the entire story. Yes, the entire story is about life, about difficulty in this life. But at the end of the day, we have Jannah waiting for us. That we have to make it there. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one who can help us and assist us in getting to Jannah. Because at the end of the day, no matter how we, no matter what we do, we're all going to enter Jannah by the mercy and the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why we have to ask Him for it. And that's what Yusuf alayhi salam and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wraps up this beautiful story. And that's the end. And subhanAllah, there's so many lessons that we can take from this. And uh, I just want to thank you for coming <laughs> all the way out, out here. Um, I wanted to um, thank all the listeners. Um, inshallah, we're going to have this up on um, the regular time that we have them on Thursday. Um, so yeah, I mean, you can find uh, Muhammad Shalan at, uh, at Abu Sabil dot Shalan. Yeah, uh, at Abu Sabil, uh, S-A-B-E-E-L dot S-H-A-L-L-A-N. 
So, um, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Instagram, YouTube, all these things. Um, and then, yes, yeah, there's so many things that, um, you know, Marshall is very, you're very active on social media and, and, uh, you know, Marshall, very good works that you're doing. So, uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you and, uh, increase all of us in our Iman and let us all die as Muslims. Uh, so with that, we end the podcast. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa